Shooting it raw? Yes. Shooting it raw. Okay, Ralph, so thank you for joining me and shooting it raw. And listen, uh, we haven't spoken in a very long time. So what country are you in again? I'm in Florida, United States. Whoa, Florida. Respect. What, what part, which city are you in? So we are in Deerfield Beach right now, which is just north of Fort Lauderdale. And basically, that's, that's, the, that's like the foreskin of the state. The foreskin? I mean, if Florida looks like a penis, it would be like where the foreskin is at. Well, that, that's way at the top, isn't it? I, no, I don't have one. I have no idea. <laughs> the reason why I want you on shooting it raw is because to, to, I think the, the seed of photography uh, the, the sort of germinated when, when I think when I, when I met you as a, as a punky little brat and um, you were married to my cousin and you're the one who brought me on a motorcycle the first time. You're the one who really I, I kind of observed uh, doing photography and listen, you've been doing photography for a very long time. So, so what was your first ever camera where you thought, okay, this is me doing photography? My first ever camera was when I turned 18 and I made enough money to actually buy a real professional SLR. And that was back in 1976. That was the year of the uh, Montreal Olympics. And I made a shitload of money there. And I decided to go and spend on one professional body and, and lens. That was it, 18 years old. Do you remember what camera it was? Yeah, I've been with Olympus uh, from the beginning. So uh, it's been uh, a good, oh man, over 40 years. Wow. wow. Why, why Olympus more than anything else? Well, you know, back in the day of the SLR, it, it really didn't matter. All the formats were the same. They're all 35 millimeter film. So it didn't matter if you had a Nikon, Canon, Olympus, Pentax, you know, whatever. They all used the same film and the formats were the same. Uh, it was a question of ergonomics, size, quality, I mean, uh, you know, lens selection, that kind of thing. Right. Back in, uh, back in the early uh, 70s, Olympus came out with, a, with an incredible system called the OM, OM system. And uh, it, today it's revered as the, the most beautiful camera made by the Japanese, mm -hmm. uh, very close to Leica. So it had a lot of attributes, and I, I love the system, and I really got into the system. I had multiple bodies, I had lots of lenses, et cetera, et cetera. Those are the film days. Right. Um, I you... switched over to digital in 2004. Right, okay. So when you, when you got yourself a, a, a camera, now did you take lessons like or were you self-taught like how where did you begin to pick up a camera as a, as a mode of self-expression no i have to say that uh i didn't start with lessons i picked up the camera i was just intrigued by what it could capture and i did take a couple of uh, courses on the side uh during college um, and I do remember taking, uh, other than, you know, basic photography, etc. I remember working in the dark room and you know what? I have to admit that I really did not enjoy it much. I love being out 
shooting. I really didn't like going in uh, and working with the chemicals. Sure. Sure. Uh, it wasn't my thing. And in those days, it was mostly black and white anyways. Um, and it was expensive. You know, it, it, it's just, it wasn't my thing. I, I like to be in front of the subject or the object or the thing of interest. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? It, I have to say that, you know, when, when digital came out and, and, the, and the dark room became the light room, everything changed for me. Everything changed, I have to say. I love now working... Uh, on the processing part of the photographs. Mm-hmm. Right, right. I'm told. I'm told. I'm a little sick at it. I'm. I'm. I'm a little too much into it. Okay. Well, look. But, so uh, it's it's a hobby. It's more than a hobby. It's something that you're quite passionate about. Extremely passionate. I, I have to say. I mean, I I just see something. I need to capture it, mm-hmm. and then I take it. I put it in the computer and then I start to work on it and it becomes like magic. I mean, you know, the camera doesn't necessarily see what your eye sees. You know, many times you're quite disappointed in the, in, in the output. I mean, you look at it and it looks flat, dull. Yeah. Even the perspective is different, you know, and, and, and you look at it and say, no, I don't remember it this way. So like, is it me or is it the camera or, you know, hmm. does the lens not see what my eyes see so the post-processing part of it allows you to make it pop out to make it look like what you remember it mm-hmm. it's supposed to look like got it and that that's what makes it incredibly powerful you honestly without the post-processing part you can be a great photographer but the results are not going to be there sure sure Hey, so this is a perfect uh, uh, segue into the first image and the one that I, I'd like to start talking about is the one where you have the four guys practicing. Okay, so the image, I have to describe it. So there are four men with their shirts off, um, sort of standing in a pose. Three of them are standing with a pose with their arms, with their like right arm up, their left arm pointing to the side. One guy, their, their legs are kind of crossed, but they're standing. They're, they're clearly performing some kind of dance or some kind of uh, maneuver together. They're on the street. Uh, this looks like Cuba, uh, just as a guess. And so why don't you tell me about that image? And um, first of all, the, when, you, when, you, when you made it, and then why you, that represents where you're at these days. Well, <clears throat> I've... Um... What I've learned about myself is I love street photography. So, you know, there are people that will shoot uh, flowers, um, scenics, landscapes, you know, uh, things that possibly don't move. I love to shoot things that breathe or move. And I love shooting people. And if I can, I want to get some sort of emotion out of the photographs. So I'm looking for emotion. It could be in the, in the movement, could be in the form, could be in the face, something there that, that makes it pop. Now, in this particular photograph, this was taken in Cuba, you're right. It's a uh, very typical street scene. A lot of things happen on the street. You can stand on any street corner and life just goes right by you and like it's, it's just amazing what happens. So these guys, I learned later on, 
were actually uh, four Italian fellows that came to Cuba to learn the, 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 the cultural dance and take it back to Italy. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I couldn't communicate at first. I was just shooting at first because this is right in the middle. It's right on, the, on, on a cross street. Yeah, right in the middle like, of the street. Right in the middle of the street. I mean, it, it's irrelevant that cars may come by or anything. There's, and they're playing loud music, mm -hmm. okay, to accompany the, the, the movements. What I, what I love in this picture, of course, is that is they, they pop from the surroundings. The surroundings are quite bleak. It's just people going about their lives. You can see by the old cars, of course, that gives it away that it could be Cuba because it's the only place in the world that has these vintage American cars mm -hmm. in such large numbers. And these guys, you know, their their, their torsos are 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 you know are, are are naked, and the color. If you even look at the color of the skin, just pops from the, from yeah, the photograph for sure. Super tan, super like nice, sexy, yeah, for sure. Yeah, you know, so it, it's something that is very, it's almost common. But you, you just have to capture it so that it feels like, like when I when I look at the photograph, I'm there again. Right. I'm, I'm there. Right. You know, and, and the people that walk by just to kind of stare at this. I mean, they took their time practicing. They must have been there over an hour, and I just stood there and watched. I just, I love to, to listen to the music. I love to watch the movements, and then I was shooting as we go along. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you pick one that kind of like says, okay, this is the one that, that says something to me. Was this your first time in Cuba? No, I went uh, <laughs> when I was like, what was it, 1985, or I believe it was the first time. And this was the fourth time I went to Cuba. Okay. So I've spent a lot of time there. My girlfriend is Cuban, and uh, she does live right around the corner, actually, from where this was taken. Hmm. And I took the opportunity to spend a lot of time shooting a lot of Cuba. And it's, it's just fascinating the way they live, the way they have to live. Yeah. Um, We've done, we, we do, we do lectures on Cuba and we have put together uh, photo slideshows uh, for hundreds and hundreds of people to watch. And it's part of putting something together. It's part of putting a story together. Here's what's interesting as well is that these guys aren't Cuban, right? These guys, I mean, they, they could be Cuban. They look, but then again, now that you say Italian, I mean, like, sure, fine. They fit. They, they look Italian. So the, these guys are Italians who flew in to learn to dance uh, right. who are, um, practicing in the street. Uh, you know, so, so if I can describe for people who are, who are, so I started describing. So the four of them are in the foreground. You can see their, their full bodies are in the image. The, the scene is shot, you know, high noon, pretty much. It's very bright, uh, full on light. It is. That, that, you look at the shadows. Yeah. The, the shadows are, are dead. I mean, they just drop. Yeah. And then, like, so and that's the, the hardest part. It's the hardest part. It's of, of the of the day to shoot. Mm -hmm. But you know, if you, if you can get away, getting those skin tones at high noon, sure, uh, you've done pretty well. No, and, for you know, sure. They don't, they, you can't ask them to come back. You know, during the golden hour, street photography happens when it happens, right? Yeah. Well, wait, here's what's also interesting. Okay, so um, one, so one of the first episodes I did was with Danny, who is your son. And right. 
it's interesting that you you both mentioned the golden hour, right? Like it's like this reverential time of the day for photography, and it's 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 funny how how you both use that language. And um, here you are in in Cuba, you send this image. In terms of the the photographic gesture or action or or you know as a as a practice. Um, how does this capture the essence of what's great about about photography? Okay, I think I think you have to look at the elements of a photograph. Uh, first and foremost is interest. Does it tell a story? Does it immediately take you to what you're trying to convey, or do you have to actually look for it? Okay. Now, the subject of my matter is actually the four guys that are dancing. You have to separate them from the background. Okay, so you try, yet you still want to show context of where they are, right? For sure. You want to you wanna take the focus out in the background, okay, so that they stand out, okay? Because, because to, to, to actually um, separate the subject from the photograph, so it pops, you can use either sharpness or color or contrast, Okay, there are several ways of doing it so that your subject pops out. Sure. The brown flesh colors are quite different than the rest. They're warm, and actually the rest of the photograph is quite cold. Right. Yeah, but here's the thing. I, I, I agree with you, but on the other hand, I actually think the background or the setting or the environment tells a story that's as interesting. It's as much a part of... I agree. What you're trying to say is that and I can tell you, for me personally, and I do teach as much as I can photography to others, but backgrounds are critical to a photograph. Mm-hmm. Well, critical. You know, people have a tendency just to shoot what they see in front of them, never looking or allowing for the background to tell the story or, or to complete a story. Sure. You know, whether you you have to blow out the background and get beautiful colors and beautiful bokeh to, to, so that the subject matter pops or whether you use the background to localize what's going on or where they are, okay, to make the story as, as we speak. Background is critical and that's what I always push on everyone. Background is, is 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 as important as the foreground and the subject. Sure. Yeah. We can. We. I'm sure we could talk about this some more. Um, let's hop to the next image, um, and then we'll just keep the car, the car, the momentum going. And the next image that I chose, and then yeah, see see how that dovetails is the one of the child. It's in black and white. Uh, the child sort of leaning against. Okay. So what what you see is a, a girl. Um, her expression is kind of a little bit. Uh, I wouldn't say positive, like she's not looking especially happy. She's more like in a state of wonder. Her her face, her head is leaning against, it looks like bamboo or it looks like I don't know, uh, poles of some sort. Uh, she, her hand is against one of the one of the one of the poles. And it's a very intimate, very close up uh, portrait. So when, when did you make this photo and, and where was this? Was this also in Cuba? No, so this is actually in uh, in Israel. Okay, in Israel. And a little Orthodox girl that I found wandering around in the back alleys of a town called Mea Sherim, which is 
considered to be the most ultra-Orthodox community in Israel. In the world, you could argue. Well, yeah, you know what? You're right. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's something in, in New York we don't know about. But, but in any case, you know, that was one of my things. When I went to Israel, I said, you know what? I really want to go there. And I just, because, you, you, you know, ultra-Orthodox people and, and what I, and, I, and I consider myself Jewish, is we're like worlds apart. Uh, completely. Okay? We really don't understand each other. Right? Totally other world, other world, other world, other world. Yeah, so this, so th what my goal here was is I wanted to go and visit this community. And um, I was very lucky that my, my cousin, uh, she came with me and she loves photography so we both headed out and we run into this area now she has to be completely clothed for to be acceptable sure. as a woman in the community yeah and for me no i'm just carrying cameras you know so i get away with it that's okay she gets shunned on every corner mm -hmm. the men walk away they'll turn the corner a block ahead of her even though she's trying, they just refuse to, to, to accept her, okay? Sure. And, and here you are, you're walking around, and you're really trying to capture some sort of emotion, some sort of capture that, you know, you're not used to seeing. And here, in this particular case, we, we walked into the back alleys, and it was the end of, um, oh, it was a Jewish holiday. It was, um, uh, I can't remember offhand. We have the sukkah, sukkah, sukkot. Mm -hmm. So this this is actually part of a sukkah that she's leaning on, and in the back alleys, it's full of these you know hand built sukkahs, okay. And the kids are playing around in the back, and this little girl was all by herself. She wasn't playing with anyone, and she was very very shy. It took me probably twenty minutes or more to actually approach her to actually approach her close enough to get her to be interested. She was actually very curious, but she was also very, very timid, this little girl. I, had, I took multiple captures of her as she was approaching me. And this is the shot. I mean, when you're talking about children, kids, it's, it's everything is, the, all the emotion is in their eyes. Sure. Okay, and, and this captures it. And you know what? I dabble much more today in black and white than I used to, but the capture works so much better in black and white. Than For in sure. Color. Okay. I, I can totally, yeah, I can see that. And if you look at the photograph, if you, you know, if you, if you use the rule of thirds, it follows perfectly in the rule of thirds. Sure. Even though it's a square photograph. Right, right. So, okay. So in a, in a weird way, you describing making this image, to me, sounds a bit like when I try to go out and make a photograph of a barking deer. A barking deer. So, okay. a barking, so it's in Hong Kong, they have barking deers. And the deer are basically as small as a little, as a medium-sized dog. They're tiny. Um, and really? they're extremely timid. Very hard to photograph. In fact, I only have, you know, two or three photographs in the, in the 17 years that I've lived in Hong Kong. Uh, they're so timid. 
And so you describing <laughs> making this photo of this girl, of this little girl who's like looking at you as as kind of alien, maybe threatening, kind of different, and then just trying to get close to get that that sort of comfort and that moment. Uh, I don't know. That's the kind of maybe I, I just made that connection because I've been trying. No, to- it, it's a good connection because actually photographing animals, you know, evokes the same kind of emotion. I mean, people. I can tell you that people love photographs of any kinds of dogs and cats. They just fall over backwards mm-hmm. for those kind of photographs because there's an emotional connection and any like a deer is, is so sweet i mean i i i've shot a few deer you know i mean it's great when you get them it's 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 just as difficult if not more i mean you sure. have to obviously go to where they are well like in your case you went you went you went to the to masharim which is uh, which means a hundred gates in, in Jerusalem, and, and you went to their habitat, and you kind of went in there dressed in a weird kind of camouflage of the of the sort of the, the outsider in his uh, camera gear, and you you tiptoed gently. It's so funny. I I you know it's so funny because I I I'm pretty forward. I I just point long lenses at people. <laughs> uh-huh. And it's like. It's like uh, you know. Do you have the balls to do that? You know. I mean. I, I know I'm infringing in their in their in their customs in their in their community, but it's so intriguing. I really want to capture it. There's no sure. other way. So you develop all these tricks to actually be able to capture them. You know, you hide on the corner and then you just pop out as they're walking, like you know, right behind <laughs> you. long tube in their face and you capture it. You know, it's like I got so many great shots in that area. It's so satisfying. I mean, it's like wow. Perfect, perfect segue to the next image, which is actually of the three guys sitting. Uh, one, two, three. These guys are Orthodox Jews. They've got the the crazy side locks of hair. They're wearing their fedoras. They're you know they're dressed like uh, the the Polish aristocracy of the nineteenth century. You know the crazy suits and all that stuff. Um, so what's this image about? Was this again in Israel or was this in Montreal? So this is actually. Actually, the same day, I, I had some great captures. What happened was, in my walking around, I have to say, I mean, I'm walking around with a sling and two and two cameras and my bag. So, you know, I look like I'm shooting for a newspaper. And this gentleman walks up to me and asks me who I am, what am I doing here, uh, what are these photographs for? He's, he's you know, very inqui- inquisitive, and I'm, I'm fine. I'm telling him, yeah, this is something I do. And he says, you know what, um, I want you to meet our rabbi. And I go, really? Okay, where is this? So they have a congregation in, in the community. And he says, please come and meet the rabbi 15 minutes. But he turns around to my cousin and says, but you can't come. Of course. <laughs> so of course. Was, you know, it's like, eh, like really? Okay. So she says... No, no, no. Go ahead. I'm going to wait for you outside. You know, take the opportunity. Huh. So I'm looking at this as like, wow, okay. To be invited. Sure. Actually witness what they do in a congregation. It's a pretty rare thing. So I said, listen, I'll come, but you have to allow me to shoot anything I want. 
And he says, come, come, come. I, want, I, want, I don't want to just go there to meet the rabbi. Yeah. I want to take photographs. So you're right? negotiating with a guy. You're like, okay, listen, yeah, okay. <laughs> Quid pro quo, man. If I'm going to follow you, you have to tell me that I can shoot. And it was the end of, of, uh, of the holiday, and it was a rather... There was a huge crowd. This is, a, I mean, the area is is a very poor area. Okay, this is not like you know you think of you know New York synagogues, beautiful, uh-huh. huge, almost almost like 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 uh, churches. You no, know, poverty no, 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 no. poverty in that part of of Jerusalem is very high. Like these communities are quite poor, for sure. And they are. It's very poor, and it's very un. I don't know. It's a dump, literally garbage everywhere. Okay, it reminded me uh, a little bit about Cuba. Okay, because I've <laughs> been there several times already. Okay, uh, but they invite you in, so I said, okay, fine, great. So I walk in, and my cousin's gonna wait outside. Okay, so I go in, and this place is really—it's packed. Okay, it's really packed, and it's one big room, and they separate the women, you know, behind a large curtain. So you don't see them at all, mm-hmm. but you do have the little girls uh, that are allowed with the men, etc. And you have a lot of uh, young men that are, you know, reading from the Torah and all that stuff. Very, very interesting. Okay, a lot of people around, and I shot uh, for over an hour. Mm-hmm. I ended up staying much longer. <laughs> Your cousin's <laughs> outside going, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> I was I was standing on the tables taking pictures. Okay, I did anything I wanted. Nice. I shot the kids. I shot the prayers. I shot under the chuppah. I shot anything I wanted, and I told them that my gift would be that I would prepare an album and I would send you the photographs. Oh, that's nice. It's not. I. You know what? It's my my greatest pleasure is when people ask. If they can have the photographs, and I want them to have the photographs. Right, right, right. I mean, they they'll get so much more pleasure than I than I even will. I have to ask you a question. There's a quick a quick interruption here. Um, have you? Because your photographs are. I mean, look, you're the one who introduced me to photography. You're the first person I met who's very conscious about your photographic practice. You definitely spend a lot of time getting deep into it. Um, have you ever sold your images like beyond using them uh, on a on a on a personal level? Have you ever sold your images for either commercial work or for more you know to collector or anything like that? Or, or so what's what's that side? Well, of course, I have never sold as much as I would like to sell. The last one I sold is actually the little girl. Oh, okay. That little girl was in an exhibition, and it 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 drew a lot of interest. People were asking and looking, and one particular woman could not get it out of her head. Right. Going back to it and back to it, and she couldn't get that image out of her head, and she had to have the photograph. And uh, some of the medias I use, I I, I actually um, I did not print it on paper. I actually put it on brushed. Uh, aluminum. Oh, okay. And it was a square, like a 20 inch by 20 inch. Okay. Brushed aluminum, black and white. 
which really looked very, very nice. I mean, it, it just popped. It was just beautiful. And well, she bought it. She had to buy it, so she bought it. I get jobs where I have to do a project and then I have to give them a bunch of pictures. But when I'm traveling, sure. when I'm traveling, I'm going to these places. I do it for me. And this is something that I, what, what an opportunity. Honestly, they invite you. Mm-hmm. They make you feel at home. They allow you to shoot anything you want. And I ended up giving them, you know, the best 60 shots. And then they, then they started hounding me. Then they said, oh, you got to send us more Please send us more. Please send us more. And we'll pay you as much as you want. And I said, wow. and I responded, I said, it's not about the money. This is the project. I, I'm giving it to you. Even if I have mm-hmm. more, I wouldn't sell it to you. I would just give it to you. You invited me into your home. So this is my gift to you. And I said, mm-hmm. next time, we'll do some more. Next time I'm in Israel, I'll let you know. We have, I mean, we're, we're connected at this point, you know. I, I have no idea what, what tangents would we would land on, and so we land on this one. Um, so when you when you go out, in terms of your photographs, you know you're using them. You're very conscious of the fact that you're trying to create an image that you're going to to share with others and are going to try to evoke an emotion. Right, all these There's things. There's many many photographs that I've taken. Like if you look gallery there are many photographs of performers okay uh, mm-hmm. everywhere i go in the world i like to look at street performers or, or on stage performers i've done uh, orchestras and stuff like that uh most cases uh i'm actually i'm not even invited i invite myself <laughs> many times sure, I, just do many it many times i just go right up on the stage and shoot and they all think well he's the paid for photographers doing this that's okay you know? <laughs> you just with a bit of confidence you just get away yeah, with yeah, it yeah. it's like okay photography you got to have that confidence if you're going to do street photography you got to have confidence mm-hmm. you got to you got to be right in their face sometimes but you know when it's when it's a performance it's it's acceptable i mean they almost accept it if you're going to perform you have to be happy about getting photographed right of course of course so I often, I do so many of these things, and then I will walk up to them and say, here's my card. If you want, <laughs> if you want the pictures, just email me, and I will give them to you. Uh-huh. And I've done that so many nice. times. I've done it so many times. There's a lot of people I've used, a lot of these performers have used my photographs in their, in their, uh, in their web uh, sites and all that stuff because they've never had photographs that were that good, you know? Right. How how do you feel about you know your your you're you're shooting at Olympus still I'm assuming so what or I know actually so how do you feel about the fact that right now you know people have smartphones with a Leica camera built into it and they're they're taking amazing shots like how how is your feeling about image making um, in terms of like the overproduction of photographs there are obviously there are billions and billions of shots taken every week every month every year it's it's actually i think this helps the photography industry whereas you start with something that's already in your pocket that you probably didn't even care you didn't pay for you actually wanted a phone comes with a free camera which is like amazing and you have the ability to take some you know respect respectful shots i i'm of the notion that these cell phones don't approach any of the equipment that we use 
in the field, like real DSLRs or mirrorless cameras with with good sharp lenses that that bring the action to you. I mean, you know, a, a good zoom. You can have a two three hundred millimeter zoom. They don't have that. Doesn't exist on a on a cell phone yet. But it's also a, it's it's also a matter of being able to control the light because a photograph is nothing but light, and if you know how to control it, you get these amazing photographs that pop. Mm-hmm. You, you, I mean, with a cell phone, you can't really control depth of fields. You can't. It's hard to control uh, your your you know your, your f stops. Okay, uh, it's hard to control uh, your exposure uh, in terms of compensation, plus or minus. You know, you can't zoom in and out as you will. You're looking at a screen instead of through a dedicated viewfinder that has all kinds of information that, that you can see and adjust on the fly before taking a photograph. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I, I have a cell phone, obviously, but I, and I can't take a decent picture with it. Like, mm-hmm. suck. I suck using the phone on my cell phone. It's like, uh, it's not the phone, but the, the, the camera. On my the camera. Phone. I, I, I suck at it. I, like I, I can't do anything with it. But that's more of a, but that's more like a, like a snapshot photography, right? That's kind of like, oh, I was there, I happened to be there, ooh, lucky, and then y- you get what you get, for sure, and and clearly the kind of. It's 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 way better than nothing. I mean, I have to agree. Sure. I mean, uh, the fact that you know you and I we don't carry our professional cameras, you know, when we go shopping, if something happens, we don't have it, you know. Sure. So so. Just to, to to share with the world, what are what is the gear that you absolutely and, and here's here's what's kind of funny because I I have this relationship to gear and I think a lot of guys maybe and, and women like too but a lot of people have this as well. I have a quasi animistic connection to my gear. You know, like I don't feel a, an emotional tie to all my stuff, but some of my things like my 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 bicycle yeah my camera you know that i that i have this kind of this like like it's an emotional animistic connection to it that i kind of like fetishize and love the object right in a way so so what is your gear that you just that you just well i I know like you get a great lens i think think, first of all i think guys have this this uh, attraction to it's almost if you go back to the you know ford versus chevy wars you know if you're a Ford guy, you're a mm-hmm. Ford guy forever, and vice versa, right. right? And if you're a Nikon guy, you're a Nikon forever. You're never going to switch to Canon, that kind of thing, right? And it's not the reason why I stuck with Olympus. I mean, it's I went from SLR for years, and then nothing in between. You have a family, the kids grow up, you're busy, you're working, this and that. There's a lot less photography going on, and then as you approach retirement, you know, and the kids are older. The gear comes out and then you start upgrading and then you're back into it and when you retire of course you got lots of time okay to shoot and to 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 do post and and that's what happens now in my case okay mirrorless came out mirrorless came out in the early 2000s i actually got on board only in 2012 okay and that changed everything for me and i know that you shoot mirrorless as well so you know what I'm talking okay, about. Okay, you, know you outed me. About. Yes, I know you're talking about, yeah. You know what I'm talking about, okay? The ability to actually look in the camera, make changes that you actually can perceive as better or worse. So you can do all that before you actually take the picture. 
Mm -hmm. Okay, there's no crimping there. You, you're not you're not shooting, 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 and then looking down, reviewing, reviewing to see if they actually came out. Right. Okay. You know, on the film day, we didn't have either of those, right? We shot a roll of film and waited a week. Yeah. And then, oh well, nothing came out. Oh well, it just blew my opportunity. It's never going to happen again, right? <laughs> right. Right. But in this case, it's kind of really cool that if you're in any mirrorless system. Uh, that you can actually control and see before you before you actually trigger, you know, hit the right. button. So when you were when you were making the photograph, for example, the three guys in Cuba, uh, sorry, the four guys in Cuba, does it have a like you're shooting many photos? But do you have a moment where you think, oh, that one's that was that was a great, yeah. that I'm, I, that one worked, yeah. you know? Or do you normally have like a hundred that you're picking from? I, I I never shoot continuous. Okay, it's I'm a you know I'm a one single shot person. Maybe that's from film days. You know, it's too expensive. I had a I had a, a motor drive on on the, on my SLRs back in the day, but I hated to use it because you your film would be over in like three seconds. You know. Mm -hmm. So in this case, I shoot single. It's all about timing. I, I've always said, to me anyways, photography is about timing, okay? Mm -hmm. it, it's all about timing. If you look at this, this last picture we're looking at, this guy gave me this look for a split second. Sure. Okay? No, it, it, it worked. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Right? And it's the middle guy. And if you look, the focus is on the middle guy. Okay? Mm -hmm. That's where my focus hits. And he just comes across like this is a comedy. You know, these guys are sure. serious. And this is a comedy. It reminds me of the Three Stooges, you know? Sure. <laughs> well, it's it's also good because the, the, the one who's behind the... Okay, so, so the one in the foreground, he's just kind of neutrally looking forward. Like, he's just like, yeah, whatever. The guy in the middle... He's out of focus. Yeah, and the guy in the middle who is looking at you is like, you know, giving you a really broad, honest unfiltered sort of expression his arms are kind of closed clasped against his chest but he's still kind of letting himself kind of connect with you with, with you know with his expression that's right because it was like uh, it was such a momentary thing it just happened in a split second he, he it's not like sure. he, he jumped up raised his arms and gave me the face it was simply the face right and i mean it's not it's so unexpected <laughs> you know and the guy in the in the back you know, who's kind of looking at you kind of, he's more like just kind of watching you going like, you know, kind of smirking, kind of looking at you going like, yeah, okay. And, you know, and these guys like, here's the thing. Okay. Um, where were you born? I was born in Israel. You were born in Israel. Where, where, so you're born, I was born in Israel. You were born in Israel. We grew up in Montreal, right? Um, you know, even though uh c culturally you know when i look at these 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 orthodox guys i mean yeah if i could i could maybe come to understand them if i tried but totally different like what kind of world are, the, are these guys living in and and you know look i i mean you can judge or not but these guys could be on a set these guys i mean these are not the kind of people that you know the no, they stand out. Ryan, they stand out like a sore thumb. And the difference is we don't. We're secular. We don't stand out at all. Right? Mm -hmm. We blend in. And they purposely stand out. 
okay and they're not afraid of it okay they want sure. their privacy that's true okay they do their own lives uh, they don't actually ever convince you to follow them because that's mm -hmm. not the way it works right this is something that you that you're born with really or or you you choose to to follow with well, a lot of hard work you 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 don't i mean your parents choose for you until it comes to the time where you might choose for yourself sure okay because there are there are people that run away from it it happens so this is something they live with forever mm. uh, and it's i don't question it i just like to photograph it I like to, sure. you know, and, and just let people look at it. They can judge all they want. But these people were extremely, extremely nice with me. I mean, right, right. I mean, I, I ended up there for almost an hour and a half. You know, it was supposed to be a 15 minute thing. And the shooting was so good and they were so open that, hey, here's the party. I'm going to stay at the party till it ends, you know. Here's what's kind of funny. Like, so, you know, I've traveled a, around a bit. One, one time we were, we were in Bali and we're invited just off the cuff to somebody's uh, um, uh, wedding, right? It was, it was just a sort of the jungle forest bamboo wedding. And same sort of thing. We were just invited and we're clearly outside looking in and witnessing um, this weird sort of cultural moment. And it's, unpredicted like unpredictable uh just kind of happened like by chance and yeah you're just kind of standing watching going like okay these are these are like fellow human beings uh living their lives and 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 in a way i mean not in a way in a in a in a, in a i would make this connection that um just as i i am outside of the cultural experience say of, of the people you know the 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 families that we saw in, in bali with their sort of traditional wedding, um, you know, even though I was born in, in Israel as well, and and you know, grew up in a very Jewish household, you know, when I see these 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 guys or this this you know this community, I I don't, I, you know, I am way outside you of, don't of you. Of, don't associate with it. Yeah, but like like you in Bali, when they invite you to something that's quite sacred, like a wedding, I mean, that is, uh, I mean. What greater honor is there, you know, to invite a perfect stranger, okay, into a very intimate uh, event? Sure. Right? I mean, it, it just says something about the people, right? Mm -hmm. This happened to me when I was in Africa. I walked into people that were at a wedding. They were shooting in a wedding. And I walked in, I started shooting their, their <laughs> wedding, right? And no, it, it was quite incredible because these, I, I didn't understand the culture and I, and I could barely communicate, but it, you know what? I, I stayed, I, I took a few pictures. We could, we, you know, I took their coordinates and I sent them photographs, but before the, all that ended, they actually invited me to the wedding. That's awesome. And you know what? What an honor, like, wow. You know, like. I think that actually happens a lot. Because you make a connection. Yeah. There's a connection. You know, here's the thing. You look at that gentleman, any photograph I take of people, I, I want eye contact. When you get that eye contact, okay, when you get it, you develop a trust, a communication, right? That's 
hard to, 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 to disengage from. I mean, isn't that interesting though? Isn't that really interesting? It's critical. It, it's, you know, you, any person, when you're walking down the street, if you get that icon, you know, right? You know you got eye contact. Sure. Right? It's like it happens for like a split second, but you had it, where your eyeball is actually connected with lasers or something, it's, right? It's, look, let's just separate. Let's just sort of look at that as a kind of uh, artificial uh, experience. Like artificial meaning, meaning let's remove what we, we think, you know, like – Let's just imagine, okay, what's actually happening? These two animals, for whatever reason, their gaze locks, like, connects. And f- there's this energy that gets communicated that there's, you know, isn't that, it's, it's, it's fascinating. You know, when you think about it, like, the fact that here's this dude who's got, like, maybe he's, he, he was born into this community and he's looking at you like you're, like, some sinner from the outdoors and yet, as these two beings, you're looking at each other, and and you make that connection. That it's it's really peculiar. And I, I, but in in fact, he's actually looking at your lens, so he knows he's being watched. So he's performing. You know, it, it, it it's interesting because it's actually a scary thing. Most people don't want to gaze into each other's eyes. It, there's a fear in that. I mean, okay, you see a pretty girl on the street. Are you gonna stare? Are you gonna look right into her eyes? with great difficulty, I would think. But this doesn't happen just with humans. I mean, you can have that connection between a human and an animal. For sure. Uh, while, while in Africa, I remember being at an eight-foot distance to a lion, and we locked gaze in, you know, on, in each other's eyes. And at that, I remember at that point, all that mattered was to get the shot. I didn't mm-hmm. care about anything else. I was actually, I had lunged out of the Jeep to get the shot. <laughs> I was actually lying, I was lying in the driver's laps because I was on the wrong side of the Jeep to get the shot. And my, and I, my half my torso was out the window and I'm on top of the driver to get the shot eight feet away. And it never occurred to me, we got that eye contact, I knew that he was just staring right at me. But never occurred to me that there was any danger involved. But wait a second, you had a camera in front of your face. So he wasn't looking at your... I, I don't know about you, but when I look through my camera, it's as if I'm looking through my eyes. I don't sure. see... I mean, I do not... I see the eyeballs. Uh, I mean, you're right. They don't see my eyeball, but I know they're staring right at me. All these shots that you get of strangers, children in third world countries where they're looking straight at the lens, okay? My camera's not at my face all the time. They've seen mm-hmm. me. Sure. If they, if they allow me a first shot, I'll go overboard. I go overboard. To the point where it doesn't become street photography, it becomes a portrait session. Sure, absolutely. And I, and I start moving them around and telling them, do this, do that. If I could go that far, we have a connection. We've already developed a connection. And I'll show them the photographs as we're going along, okay? And they get a big kick out of it. Yeah. And if we can communicate, I then send photographs. Sure. I've done that with a lot of um, uh, Arab Muslims in Israel. I couldn't believe the connections we made. And just, I, I think the camera, once you get close, the camera brings you closer. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a, it's, it's a bridging... 
it, it's almost like uh, breaking the ice. Um, I shot, you know, these these women, uh, you know, veiled women, Muslim women, uh, with no problem. And mm -hmm. normally, they don't allow that. Yeah. Okay. So, so the I'm going to add the link to to your gallery of images, and you know, when, whenever they have these online sort of contests or whatever where people vote in photographs you consistently get like to the top like your your images very consistently get picked and selected and chosen and people gravitate towards them because um you have like do you think that's i like to think that there's some relevance to them okay because um, it's got to say something, it's got to mean something, it's got to be something you can look at and ponder over and think about and not just skip it like it was a snapshot. So do you, do you, do you feel that an important part of a, of, of a photograph's creation is uh, its display and, <clears throat> and, and printing, for example? Like you, you print books and I've seen, you know, I've seen a lot of your prints. So do you feel that, like, what's the difference between having it on a screen versus having it on a page? Unfortunately, it's, it's gotten so expensive to print photographs and to frame photographs. But I love to do it when I get the chance because it actually pops so nice. On the screen, it's great. And I have to say that I've had the opportunity several times already to actually show... Uh, our photographs, uh, my partner and I, we did these Cuba things, where we show our photographs, imagine, on a cinema-sized screen. Oh, wow. And, you know, I mean, that's the ultimate. Because, uh, you know, other than that, we're talking like banners or, or like, you know. I sure. Mean, but when it's monumental, like on a screen. It's huge. It's like, you know. This is in, in a theater, and it's a cinema-sized screen. So I, I look at photographs on my cell phone, and I look at them on my 32-inch screen at home. And then, you know, I've had the opportunity to see them in, like, you know, these 50 or whatever, 75-foot screens. And you know what? I, it still comes down to actually, uh, um, actually uh, making um, photographs, and not necessarily on paper, I've done this on metal and I've done this on um, uh, acrylic. Okay, uh, mm -hmm. it's it's just beautiful, and I and every photographer loves to exhibit, and I've taken every opportunity I can to exhibit. So you actually physically have to bring your photographs, usually no bigger than twenty by sixteen or. 20 or 16 by 24, that kind of thing. I mean, it can't be monstrous things. And there's no better feeling that people walk up to and look at them and, and comment. Sure. Photography is an art form. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if we get credit for it. I don't know if we get credit, honestly. There are painters, oil painters, that get all the credit for artistic. And then the photographer comes along and they think that we just point at the camera push the button, and the job was done. So, yeah, it's not taken as, for example, as seriously. Well, you know, if photographs, prints, that kind of stuff isn't as permanent as an oil painting. Maybe that's part of it. Uh, maybe there's, there's more, you know, somebody who puts in 100 hours 
to to make one painting, you know, literally a hundred hours of of brushing and you know. But run, run! I got friends. I have friends, photographer friends of mine, that are amazing, and they excel at specifics, like you know, let's say landscape or something, and they will take a hundred hours to produce mm-hmm. that photograph. They sit in front of the computers for a hundred hours until they get it right. Right. Got it. I've spent. I don't. I don't spend hundred hours. I mean, listen. We have to. We have to agree that you got to start in photography. You have to have a photograph with a good foundation. Okay. Sure. All the right elements. All the right elements to make it good. And you take that and you can make it great. Okay. So so you can't take a piece of crap and expect it to be great just because you're great at editing. Well, it's a yeah. It's a, I. It's. You know, look, part of, part of me doing this podcast is, is talking to different people and, and different, every, you know, everybody's got a different uh, approach, a different view, a different feeling, a different relationship to, to the images that they make. In the end, all, all that counts is the results, right? All that counts is the results. What, but what, ha- yeah, so, so yeah, we can, we can, of course, talk about that forever. So, so right now you're in Florida are you are you in the lockdown? Are you able to make photographs, or are you at the moment just like many people, basically at home, kind of going, okay, what you know, waiting for the sh- shoe to drop? This is a moment for me now to just do the post. So I have a ton of material that I've shot, and now I have every reason to sit in front of the computer for hours and hours and work on post and okay. and actually create some pretty great images. So this is an opportunity for that. I mean, before, be, before, before the, 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 this thing came, this madness came down, yes, I was shooting a lot. Florida's a great place to shoot if, if you have to stay in one place. One thing is being a, a photographer with the actual camera, and then the other side of it is so important is the post. Yeah. You know, people think they can, out of camera, they, everybody talks about out of camera, and this is natural, and why would you change it? Well, because the camera doesn't see or record what our eyes see or feel. We have to put that in. We have to, you know, we have to work it in. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I show you a, 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 you know, a pre and post of the same picture, you go, whoa. No, there's a big difference. No, I, no, I understand that. I totally understand. Well, I know it. I know it because I, I, I understand and do it myself. You, you, you are the one who really puts the the sort of the, the the awareness and my attention. You know, because to a certain extent, I really wanted to emulate you because as a kid, like some like punky kid, you show up on your on your motorcycle and and. Uh, so how, how old were you when we when we met? It's going to be like around 1980. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. That's about eight or nine. And then you popped me onto the back of your motorcycle for a ride, which was super nice of you. Just this week, just yeah, just last week, I brought Cadence, who's uh, eight years old, on the back of the motorcycle, and I put the you know, I got her to to, to feel like, oh my god, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I got to tell you, Cadence. I I listened to the first podcast you did. Yeah. And that's got to be my favorite. <laughs> it's like. Her, the first, with her, oh my God, this is a smart kid. That's what was interesting is that one, she can really express herself, which is why I wanted her on because it's just like, it'd be, it's interesting to get into the brain of an eight-year-old and say, well, what's your relationship to making photographs? For, for those of you out there that haven't listened to uh, Rand's first podcast, you got to go listen to it because it's really, <laughs> really inspiring 
And you don't even, like, if you don't know that she's eight years old, I mean, at the end of this, you go, what? She's eight years old? You got to be kidding me. You know? Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it, no, for sure. It was great. It was great. That was great. Yeah.